morning. It's, uh, as you notice, it's good to have Avram here live. He's actually not sitting on the table. Nice, he's sitting on a chair, which is probably uh, probably nice, probably not as comfortable, but uh, it's good to see you here. And if anybody ever has to travel for a long time and they don't like listening on the phone, you send us the apparatus, we can have you on the table as well. We are in Malachim Beis, Perek Yutes Pasuk Lamed Beis. We finished with the very good Besura from the Navi. Last Pasuk we saw, Lamed Aleph, Kemishalayim, Tetzir, Sheiris, Pleita, Meharzian, Kinnis, Hashem, Taz, Azois. Because Baruch Hu will be saving the city. Now, lest you think that it's very easy from here on in because Navi said Hashem is saving the cities, so you can exhale. Chizkiah Amalek, no doubt, was overjoyed, and so were the other tzaddikim of the city. Bear in mind that there are plenty of people who are looking out the window and they see hundreds of thousands of troops and they don't look too friendly. So, lest we think that there's no new science from here on in, for those who were clued in to the MS, the Navi said so, and that's the way it's going to be, and that's the way it's going to be. And that's the way it was. But uh, there were people who still struggling with their bitachim, general bitachim, like Baruch Hu, sets out very clearly the beginning of his Sefer Amunah Bitochen, which is the classic on the subject. It's not the beginning of the Sefer. The entire point of the Sefer is to debunk, to do two things, the Mechazik Amunah, obviously, but to debunk a misconception that Bitochen Amunah means everything's going to be okay. And the Chazanish goes on to explain that, yes, everything's going to be okay, you might have to redefine your understanding of what okay is. Okay means what HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels is best for your Ruchnius and for your Neshama. And whether that was part of what you would have put on your wish list is irrelevant. That's pretty important. You can be working on Betachon and Amunah. If you don't know that Yesod, then you might not get very far. So... Can't even discuss here Bitochen and Amunah per se because that's an integral part, but they might have Bitochen and Amunah and the Chorban is coming and it happens, which might have happened over here, if not for the tremendous efforts of Hasmoda and Chuva of Chizkio and his people, and will happen at the end of Malachim Beis. And that's not a steer to Bitochen and Amunah. Here, the Navi came with the message. He was asked, do you have any message from Akash Baruch Hu? And the answer was, yes, the city will not fall now. Now it's a question of Betach and Amunah in the Dvar Hashem. What do you Gimli Karm? Is that Akash Baruch Hu communicates to us and to the Umas Eilam sometimes through his Naviim. And if a Navi is a Navi Muchsuk, there's a Chiv to believe him. It's one of the Yud Gimli Karm. Even if it weren't one of the Yud Gimli Karm, there'd be a Chiv to believe him. It happens to be one of the Yud Gimli Karm. Because Baruch Hu communicates to us through his Nevi'im. Something to think about, not for now. 
why indeed is it one of the Yud Gimel Yikarim. But if you have a story like this, you'll understand. Certain junctures in life, personal life, national life, the Nevi'im that were functioning, that were uh, there to tell Klai what to do, and were written down the diaries, were for Klai They had millions of Nevi'im for personal decisions, as we spoke about this past Shabbos. And the Misper Shemus, the Gogoloisam, the Ramban, seems to be alluding to the fact that it wasn't just a number. If you want a final number, yes, the head of the household, how many people you have in your family? He tells you 65. And that's it. The Ramban goes out of his way to say, no, he's putting a Medrash. Medrash says, Shemus, you have to have individuals with names, and Moshe Rabbeinah had to look at each one and give each one a bracha. That's what a Navi was for. And the Nevi'im did that, and the famous Nevi'im that we know of, because it was written down the Darius, were giving direction to Klai Yisrael then, in terms of decision-making, and telling us what's going to happen in Lass of Lava. Lass of Lava sometimes meant the end of Malachim Bey's, what's coming with the Hurban, and Lass of Lava often meant what's coming in Kufa Samashiach. But it's one of the Yud Gimli Karim to understand that the Navi is giving us this message, and it's part of basic Bitochon Amuna in understanding that He's giving us something we need to know. Either long-term, we need to know to survive. That's the Yaakovino had in mind. And he wanted him to begal the Kates over there. Akash Baruch Hu took it away because it would become counterproductive. It was too far in the distance. But the Nevi'im that we're dealing with now are going to Yeshaya, Yemya. They talk a lot about the Chorban and more so about Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami was going to be the end of the time. And we think that's nice. It's not just nice. It's uh, crucial. It wouldn't have made it into the Yud Gimelani Mammon. Apparently, we need it because you can't survive without it. And over here, I'd like to be able to say, it's Pashat. So Navi was asked, he answered, it's going to be saved, and everybody's dancing in the streets. Uh, nobody was dancing in the street yet. I would think in deference to those who are still struggling with the fear, the pachad, the terror of what's going on outside. That's just my guess. I wasn't there. Internally, they were very happy, and they were already thanking Akash Baruch Hu, but a significant uh, percentage of the population, I am sure, doesn't spell us out in the Pasuk, is still very much struggling with it, and many of them were on Chizkiyo's side. And the reason I know that is because this Nevoah was alluded to before, and they still weren't won over yet. And you look out the window, and you see a glaring, what looks like a glaring reality, and the Nabi says, otherwise, yes, you have a chiv to believe it, and you have to work on yourself, but that doesn't make it easy, and that doesn't have to be easy. So that, just keep that in mind, because right now we're all going to glide to the end of the sugi over here, and like, it's all over. Why do we even need more psukim? It's uh, far from over, and chizkiyo, even though this is a shining moment, uh, there are going to be some, uh, some mistakes made. Yes? Yeah, they're coming back with a vengeance, and again, they look very unfriendly, and you can be sure they're still saying drushes. Uh, we're coming into... It was a small city, and um, today we have bigger cities, and uh, people go to shul, and the after of uh, discussions, and uh, I would say, you have to wait till after Marav, I would hope the Rav in each shul made this announcement. It's like kind of important. Uh, there, there's a backdrop here which you have to keep in mind. This is soon going to be Lel Seder. That makes things, everything, everything a lot more exciting and momentous. 
So Klai Yisrael is getting together anyway, and they're bringing a carbon Pesach. So everybody's very together, and everybody's with their chaburahs, and this is the only discussion that's taking place besides how many kazesim do I need and how big is the kazayas, and to be sure that discussion was going on around their table also. And we've got to bring the carbon Pesach, and we're doing this, and maybe some of them are thinking, okay, we're bringing the carbon Pesach, this is the last one, and we're all going to be gone tomorrow, maybe. And then you had Sadiqim, like Rabbi Silver, we spoke about last week, who said, yeah, Stalin is here today and gone the next hour. And uh, why don't you listen to what the Navi has to say? So that's a talk about uh, dramatic and traumatic uh, endings. Uh, this, is, this is Pesach. So yes, uh, the city was small. I mean, you go to the city today, it's still small. And everybody was packed in, but uh, for the fact that the news is going to spread would not be surprising. So, with that focus, Pasuk Lamed Beis, Lachain, Kayam HaShem HaMelech Asher. The Nevoah turns to Melech Asher to let him know. Not that he's interested in listening or interested in believing. He's obviously not, or else he would have backed off. Not only is he not coming, he's not even going to fire the first shot. He's not coming in with his shields. He's not pouring any ramps. Picture the Roman conquest later on. Yushalayim is high on a hill, and there are walls. And Lamaisa, no matter who you are, without modern technology, if you're coming in, you've got to start building ramps. So, you're not coming in and you're not starting this and this uh, campaign is not going anywhere. We're going to send you back home and the you is literal, you and a few more people and nobody else is going to be leaving. Through the Nevoah points out again, which Chizkiah HaMelech heard quite clearly, and it was a little disconcerting, but he was a tzaddik, and it's just hard, even for a tzaddik, maybe especially for a tzaddik, to hear that despite all the efforts, the good news is your efforts worked and put it over the hump, so to speak. The not-such-great news is that most of the, uh, most of the decision was made on predicated on two different points and not your tshuva and your hasmoda, even though without that it couldn't have worked. Pasuk says, L'ma'ani, v'chil l'ashem shaboy. If the city is destroyed and he wins, then he's going to attribute it to his avodazar. U'laman David avdi. Schus avasir, David amelech. It doesn't say, could have said, L'ma'ani, L'ma'an David avdi, U'laman chizkiyo avdi or Laman Chizkiyo Abdi Vehasmodasov and his best Benjish. I'm not saying it didn't play a role. It played, the Gemara says that this is what saved Yushalayim. And 66 is apparently not a passing mark. And one third was due to his efforts, and that got it started. Lamaisa, the decision of Shemayim was primarily based on Laman Laman David Abdi, not to denigrate Chizkiyo Amalekh at all and his efforts, but again, there were still significant segments of the population who are not completely with the program. And you can have a group of tzaddikim, a larger group, and they are the catalysts to win the Midas Arachamim to the degree enough to be saved, but that wouldn't have done it 
alone. So that's important. So it's not what I, I was looking to insult uh, anybody. Chizkiyot definitely saved the day. And his Masmidim and his Bez Medrash and his sword in the Bez Medrash, the Gemara says that his, his Shemen beat out all the forces of Sanchev, the candle burned, and they were learning. But the Pasuk mentions the Mani, the Man David Avdi. So that's a little sobering. Yes? Yes. Schus Avos is Avrami Tzachin Yagav. So you can have Schus Avos run out and still have Schus Avos as in other great Sadikim. So Schus Avos primarily applies to Avrami Tzachin Yagav. And then there's David, and then there's Chizkio, and then there's. Uh, it's interesting. The. Within 30 days after Shavuos, we'll keep referring to Megillah's Rus. Uh, remember the, the amount of food that was measured out to Rus before she left? Six arms. So six represented many different things. She knew right away it didn't. Uh, it's a funny number to give, and uh, she was well fed, and that wasn't the issue, but there was some symbolism over here, and she knew that. She came back to Nami, showed it to Nami, and some of Hashem say she didn't exactly know what it was, but she knew Nami would. That's fine. So one of the n- numbers that they work with in the, in the six, Rashi there, says over there, six represented the six midus that David Melech would have, the godless of what he had, and what's a Pasuk describes those midus. It's another medrash that says there were six tzaddikim that would come out of her in the Malchus based David, and interestingly enough, they weren't all Malachim. Daniel and Hananiah Meshav Azayu on the list, interestingly enough. So that doesn't leave us a whole lot to work with. And there were many Tzadikim and Malchus Beis David who did not make this list. I examined the list. We didn't get to this as Shavuos. We have, uh, as I said, many years left to uh, things to discover. But I want to make note, because it's Nagea to this. On that list, Yashafat wasn't on that list. He was a big Tzadik. Chizkiah was on that list. Why? What do Chizkiah and Daniel, Hanani, Meshayev, Azariah have in common? So they all were leaders. They weren't all kings. They were all from Machazes David, obviously. They were all leaders who were at a turning point that they did very courageous things to save Israel. So why was this Stavka Marumas and the Sheish Sarim? Because that's what Rus is doing. She's doing very courageous, almost out-of-the-box things to turn things around. That's what Megillus Rus is all about. That's what Rus did, that's what Ami did, that's what Bayez does. And it wasn't easy, and they, they had people, uh, troublemakers, who fought them during, after... And over here, it's not to take away from Chizkiyot, it's just that if you have enough people who aren't with the program yet, or aren't completely with the program, then even though you have the core, you have the nucleus, and they're the ones driving it, and they're the ones that do save the day, you need a lot of Lama'ani uh, for the Kiddush Shem Shemayim, and the Schus Avus, if not Avni Yitzchak to put it through. So as... As well as you could be doing, you always need to keep in mind there are people who are not doing it, and if Klai Yisrael does it together, when Klai Yisrael said Nasev and Ishma, that was something on, on this chus, even though there were things in the background that if you don't accept, uh, the world's going to go to Sovavo. 
and there was a Tanayin Sheikh to make Rashis, and it's Kafalem Hakigigis, and all those things contributed. But there, at least everybody was with the program. Over here, it's a very small segment, and keep in mind, we don't have the Asaras Ashvatim, and we're a small city state right now, and even in Yushalayim, not everybody is. Enough people came to the best Medrash and stayed for all of Night Seder, and then some, and that's what did it, and he deserves the credit for that. But it wasn't enough over here to wipe out 185,000 troops in one minute. That needed Lamani, Laman David Avdi. So just keep in mind, as much as we depend on doing the right thing and you need that to start it, you have to daven hard. And that's the reason why Shmon Esrei quotes the Avos and David. In the, it's the reason why, because we still depend on that. And uh, davening quotes a lot of Lamani of uh, Kiddush Shemaim. It's still a bit of a pella how Avarachim made it into Shabbos davening. Maybe that's why it's canceled so often. It's like uh, stira. To, uh, we don't talk about on Shabbos crusades and inquisitions and bloodshed and pogroms, and that's what Avarachim is all about. That's what it was written in response to. And what we're asking for over there in the Casey Dhammam is pretty uh, jarring, tefillah, on a Tuesday, let alone on a Shabbos. Uh, Taka was a minig. Uh, some killers only said it between Pesach and Shuvah. That was when most of this happened. Uh, the uh, the bloodthirsty uh, Akum who uh, went on their crusades always had uh, an awakening in spring because it was easier to fight wars then. So on the way, they managed to uh, decimate communities. Unfortunately, that was usually during the springtime. We're saying on a Shabbos. Be- because that's when you had most people in shul, and the Gila said it as a Gila, so certain things you have to say on Shabbos. Sort of like my uh, disclaimer whenever I say something which I say in my disclaimer is not a Hesped, but whenever we talk about uh, G'daylem, we're no longer here, and sometimes I talk about it on Shabbos, even though it's, a, it's not a Hesped because I'm trying to cause people to cry, but that's when you have everybody together. Sometimes you have to talk about these things. So you look at the Avarachimim, and not only is it horrific in what it's describing, what it's alluding to, it's horrific in the fact that we're demanding, rightfully so, that Hashem destroy them and not let the blood rest until it's avenged. And that's strong, strong stuff for Shabbos. We don't usually talk about those things, even though it's emes lamitoi. But really, it's, it's lamani. What we're asking for is a very powerful tool that uh, Hashem's name is at stake, and we're asking Hashem to take nekama, not because we need the nekama, but because Hashem should be a kel game for kvei shamayim. And that concept is in the word lamani. And that's a very powerful tool, which Chizkiyo had used in his own tefillah. Now we finish with the Nevoah, now we have the action, which is very swift and decisive. There's all sorts of deep Kabbalah here, how this happened. A Malach came. Whenever a Malach comes, there's a Machlekes over here. Did he just come and the Neshamas were drawn to the Malach and the bodies were intact, something like Lahavdil, Nadabaviyu? That's very quick. The Neshama just leaves. You could do 185,000 people in one shot, in one second. Just come, and the Neshamas leave. They're all sleeping, and they just uh, they don't get up, except for the few that remain alive to witness it. 
And there are all sorts of uh, fascinating Midrashim and uh, Svarma Gadeshim that talk about exactly what the process was. And there's a Medrash uh, that says, uh, this Medrash means many things, and we're not going to delve into it. This is already a Kabbalah, not even Kabbalah light, but one Medrash that Kosh Bachu tells Gavriel Hamalach is why you're going to cook the fruit, take care of them. What is that? Well, what that means, we're not going to really. Uh, venture even to go into, but Gavriel is the Malach of Eish. He always cooks the food. He's the Kayach of Eish. The fruit, the dishes, the chom. And it was so Kalachayad for a Malach. It just shows the, the power. We think we're Kanakers, and he, that was the lesson over here, the Midi King. He's making drushes, and the whole world fell before him. He conquered the whole world. You can't stand in the way of my army and my artillery, and we're going to build ramps and everything. And Kosh Baruch Hu, uh, says, when you're going with the Kayach uh, when they're cooking dinner, you know, just to stay around and make sure that Hashem is leave with you or something. It's like, easy doesn't begin to describe what a Kosh Baruch could do in this world, which looks like this is one of the biggest Nisim Galuyim since Kriyas Yamsuf. And there are Medrashim that compare Kriyas Yamsuf to this or this to Kriyas Yamsuf. This is, as Nisim go, this is up there. Because we have Nisim, Yashafat also fought battles, and David Amal fought battles, and we won, the enemy ran, there was thunder and lightning. That's very interesting to see and very fascinating and clearly an ace. When they just all disappear, just all die, that's already done to Kriyas Yamsa. So it's almost Kalacha, like uh, you're, 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 you have many Kaychas, Gabriel Amalach, you're the Kaych of Aish and the whole Bria, just uh, take it and you know, burn all the Nishamas as you're uh, going to uh, cook the fruit. It's just the expression is fascinating. It means many, many other deeper things as well. So, is uh, a number that's not just a lot. It's the number is, is real, obviously. And 185,000 people. That's besides all the support staff. Uh, that was waiting in the background. Remember, each one of these uh, commanders over other armies, there were no, no doubt waiting in the hills, but uh, they uh, ran for the other hills after this if they were, I don't know if they were five miles behind. We had already, the doc told us before, that each one was a commander over many. I don't know where the other people were. We know over here only a few survived. Yeshkimba, Baikir, Rene, Kulom, Pegarim, Mesim, the ones that woke up. Uh, different shitas again in the Medrash, but we know Nevuzrada, Nevuchanetzar, and his two sons at least. Remained alive, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Some say there were five. And they uh, lived to see another, quite another few days because Nebuchadnezzar is yet going to be back. You would wonder who in his right mind would come back after witnessing this. Nebuchadnezzar will say the same thing. Why should I come back? I'm not getting involved. I'm not interested. This was dangerous the first time, and uh, I don't want lightning to strike twice. And he believed it could. And when we get there, we'll see a Kosh Baruch Hu sort of uh, convinced him to go back anyway. And that wasn't due to any amazing schus office that he had. It was due to his wishes that deep down he wanted to go back. He just needed a push. So, the two sons, which we'll see very shortly, will uh, execute their father. Yisa v'yelech v'yasha they go back, and there are also various chazals here as well. They went to Har Ararat. It was always interesting stuff doing there because uh, they still had the planks 
uh, much of the frame of Tevez Nayach, which was quite large. And uh, one Medrash has, he started doing Avodah That was considered, you know, whatever they had from the ancient uh, times, they used to worship. And he figured, okay, something went very wrong over here, must be I have the wrong gods, which to us sounds like a ridiculous conclusion. Why don't you come to the conclusion there's only one God? He's not there yet, and actually he's not going to get there, but according to one Medrash, his sons got there. And his sons told him, uh, Dad, uh, you're still looking for other Avodah Zars? You're out of your mind. And they got rid of him. That's not a violation to keep it up any, by the way. Just for the record. I know that because it was done with Avram and Terach. I know you guys are holding keep it up any. Uh, that uh, normally to make a sarcastic comment like that would be a violation to keep it up any, and certainly to kill him. It's sort of a violation of uh, both Kibbutz and Yira let alone Chavala and other things, and don't have any funny heterim about if there's nobody else to do it, and we have to, uh, we're the only surgeon here. He was an Abed of his Chaimisa, nobody else would dare. As a matter of fact, they had to run for their life afterwards, and his other son took over. Some say they were in and they, they ran to Hararat, different uh, versions of exactly what happened there, but uh, they took care of him. Others say that they overheard that he was talking to his advisors, and he couldn't understand how he lost this one, never lost before. And he wanted to know, they obviously have a great God, that he was Machir. He just didn't come to the correct conclusion yet, there's only one God. He said, what's their Kayach? And they started telling him that uh, they said that, that Abba Mavinu uh, shechted his son, which he didn't. They somehow got that wrong also, but uh, he was willing to bring his son and he said, that's the Eschus, which is an unbelievable Eschus. That's the Eschus. I have two of them, I'll shech them both. And uh, to their good fortune, they found out about that plan. And they were makayim haba laharcha hashkein vahargoy. Self-defense, which, by the way, is a machlaik, is whether a guy is allowed to kill somebody in self-defense. They paskin, yes. Uh, it's a shayla whether... <laughs> I don't know who they asked. It's a shayla whether... Uh, you're allowed to wound him, a shayla whether you're allowed to kill him. Okay, but... Uh, why? They held Kimli like that shita, yes. A shayla for benenayach, whether that's true, which is interesting. But they acted swiftly and then had to run for their lives as well because the other son took over, but at least they survived. And he now, not only he retreated in uh, terrible shame and humiliation, he also paid with his life, which he deserved. Which is, as downfalls go, pretty uh, drastic, which uh, was the Midi Kenegamida over here. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And after all his ranting and raving and all his... Uh, all, all his many drushes uh, didn't amount to anything. And the Pasuk describes it, He was back to his old Avodazar, or his new Avodazar. And they finished him off. As the Pasuk says, they had to run. The question is, where was the execution? And his son becomes the next king, which also to our modern mind is very bizarre. We have, um, we spoke about uh, Churchill. He, uh, somebody asked me recently, a guy said that he was at a, uh, called me Flappish, he was at a shir mine on Losi Chanim about, I don't know, 15, 17 years ago. And he was giving a little chabura and he wanted a chazer a little bit to uh, some of the dinim. So it was Nick in the middle of the conversation. He had been at many shirim since then, or listening to them, because he's, he was going over what's mutter, what's asr, when let's tell us. 
He said that if the um, fellow is dead, is there a heter? I said, I think there might be. It's not clear in the Peskim. So he said, yeah, maybe that's a heter that you can say nice things about Churchill. <laughs> so that's how I knew he was listening. Uh, so um, I say the disclaimer, in case I'll be listening to this year later on. He's dead. And that might be one heter, because Lezichanim, as you shouldn't come and say praiseworthy things, you'll come to be attached to them. It's no longer alive, and you're not going to be attached to the person, not Pashut, because Shtikol Derish time at Akra, you might become attached to British politicians. You might become, it's not, not so clear, but I think the better heter is, and if we point out anything nice about an Akum, is usually because they're trying to learn a lesson of where Le Malacham Biyad Hashem and some Seichel Hayasha. In this case, my example is to show the lack of Seichel Yasher of the people voting. And that is, a, it's a bit of a plea. I'm sure there are books written on this and why this happened, but a bit of a plea how somebody who was considered the hero of World War II, certainly in the European continent, Winston Churchill, can lose the next election after the war. How do you lose? How can you even slightly fumble the election? <laughs> <laughs> like everybody, it was clear to everybody. Like he was the man of the of the year of the war, and, and uh, giving all the drushes and everything, and and he lost. So go figure. So I there's raid on it, and uh, not in the Ashwarium, in, in, in the newspapers on how the other party capitalized on that. And they, he's a great war leader, but it's peacetime now, and for the economy, for this, that, whatever. The uh, you'll ask Yaakov, who'll give you uh, some printouts of what was going on there. But it's. It's pretty clear that whatever the explanation is, that's ridiculous. Like, we're just basic hakaras atayiv. I know they're not big on that. But, like, talk about a fickle uh, political system, uh, a fickle uh, population at large. Like, how do you forget so quickly? And then, if it gets, if it, if it couldn't get any more strange, he was actually, he won later on. Yeah, there was, I mean, but right after the war, he lost. So, it's, it's bizarre, and that, that rarely happens. People have lost elections, incumbents have lost elections for lesser infractions for whatever they claim he didn't do right afterwards. But he lost. Here, this guy, talk about losers, this guy lost worse than anybody ever in history. There was never an emperor who lost so much so quickly. And they elected his son to be the next king. The answer is, they believed in the divinity of the monarchy, and no matter what the other king did, they're going to put his son on the throne. And it was very clear, like his own sons executed him. The story got out. Why? Because they thought he was a shaita, and they, they were, and that also has reasons why. It didn't help them. They had to run for their lives, and, and they put the next, you're not going to put the, the people who caused the mutiny to happen on the throne, so they another son, and they put him on the throne. We would never... The people voting would never do that. Again, for, for lesser infractions, far lesser infractions. They, uh, they got rid of the whole family. They got rid of it. There were some very, very popular families in the American political system. This is ancient history, like two years ago. <laughs> Who were, everybody would say, it's a shoo-in. Uh, you know, she, she is worthy, not worthy. But the family is like, uh, you can't beat this family. That was the regular assumption, uh, common wisdom in the street. Well, didn't work. For again, she didn't fumble a war, and well, maybe she did, but whatever. She fumbled other. Okay, I'll get into that. But for lesser and fresh, this guy was like a dismal failure. Like there's nothing more embarrassing than what happened over here. 
He, he left with 185,000 troops, came back with none. Whatever the explanation is, say, he tried, I'm no doubt he tried to explain, like, what happens is, I don't know, there was some fiery thing there, and they took all the Nisham and said, okay, you know, either send him to a psychiatric ward, if they believe the story, <laughs> but what it is, he's obviously not capable of ruling. I don't know if they believe the story, they didn't believe the story, but they put his on the throne. That's, that's very foreign to us, but that was part of the, uh, and they believe the, the divine part is important, because whatever divinity they were believing in, they didn't, they didn't all become bodily truva from this. Some will, we'll see soon, uh, they're going to send messages to Chizkiyo because they're going to want to know um, what happened, but it wasn't directly from this war. It'll be from the next Mycenaeism coming up, the next period. So you'd like to believe he became from, and everybody became from, and nobody's doing Avodazar anymore, it's all Gavaldi. It uh, wasn't true, because whatever explanation they searched for, they certainly didn't want to see the Emmas. So his son became king, and uh, he will now be running the uh, country Ashur as a world power is not going to be around that much longer. Uh, we all know the next world power that's going to be ascending is Bovel, and Nebuchadnezzar will be uh, at the helm. Uh, how he got there, if he was the lieutenant and second in command, command under Ashur. Uh, if you want to break out and start your own empire, you've got to first change the name and change the location. <laughs> so if you have any brains, you're going to have to brand something new. So... Uh, we have time to get to that. Uh, there's a lot coming still in this uh, Misa in the next parak, but let's go to the Peleyades in the meanwhile. Remind me uh, just to go back to the Radak uh, next week. We have to see the Radak in Nunzayim. Uh, Tzaddik uh, mentioned to me he has the button working on the website, terroristream.org. If you uh, need, talk to the people listening, or anybody here, if you need the uh, USB with uh, all the shirim to date, over a thousand, I believe. So you could just press the button over there and help yourself. It is working, Tzaddik? Oh, yes. Okay. So remind me to announce it for the night shear in case they're different listeners. When the Peleyayats on page Kuf Mem Aleph under the entry of Hachana. The paragraph we finished yesterday, which is the third paragraph, we're not going to read it again, we'll just uh, summarize, is the importance of thinking ahead before the scenario comes, before the Nisayan comes, to always be thinking of what might be coming, how do I react up here, what's my reaction if somebody does something that's not so nice, somebody says something that's not so nice, what do I say, more importantly, what do I not say? And to understand that the new science is often won if you're able to think ahead, think quickly, and prepare yourself mentally. And that is the difference often between success and failure. And people have a lot in their mind, and it's hard to do this, but with training, it can serve you very well. My muscle yesterday was the people in a secular, in a secular setting, if you're at a very high-powered board meeting, or you're in negotiations, if you can think, again, if it works, it doesn't work, obviously, you need siyat tashmaya. In terms of your ishtadlis, preparation for a meeting is not just a PowerPoint presentation. It's to think what they're going to say and what they're going to offer and what's your counter offer and what's going to come out. And often, you can't, you're not a navi, but if you just think about ahead of time, 
A, B, C, D, E. I tell this to people all the time. They say, I can't think that far ahead. You can. You can and you have to. Because it's the people who are just dumbfounded when they hear something and they have no clue. You know, I didn't think of that. And start thinking now. Think of this. They're in the of a conversation. They, they don't have too much time to think. And you don't have to be a chaimezer who was able to talk to four people, write two different chuvas with two different hands at the same time. I'm not asking anybody to be a chaimezer. All I'm saying is, is that whenever you're in any matzav, even at the board meeting, it's not lahavdil, uh, things like Lashon Hara will come up, and things involving Geneva's Das, and things involving uh, Gaiva. And they, you have to know what you can say, what you can't, and what your reaction is. And if you're bringing your Yeridan, your Hilchus Ribis, and your Hilchus Shmir Salashon to the office, then you will succeed. But you've got to think of these things ahead of time. That's part of hachana. is thinking what might happen in this next conversation, this next scenario. And he continues with the theme, the fourth paragraph down. Before you say a thing, before you react, think in your head how this is going to come across, how this is going to come out. This would help you, by the way, not only in the office, this can help you at home. If you ever had a scenario where you're having a discussion with any family member, including a spouse, and certain things are said, if you think about what might be said ahead of time, you can think about an appropriate response that won't be resonating in the wrong direction for hours or days to come. And that could save everybody a lot of heartache. Yishkele and Bepeles, amazing image, but weigh them very carefully. If you decide, first decision, the big decision is you have to say anything. Most often the answer was no, and unfortunately the reaction was yes. So first decide whether you have to say anything at all. Not everything needs a response. There were Gedalim who mentioned they have a drawer full of letters. And they were asked, so they didn't get to mail them yet? They said, no, some of them have been sitting there for years. They wrote them and they didn't send them. That's a, that's a mahalach that works very well. So why did they write them? And says they wrote them because it was a havmin to send them, or they wrote them because they felt it had to be said, but only to the paper. Nobody had to see it. There's some chuvas that are written that were never sent. Not because the answer was wrong, but maybe because uh, the person wouldn't listen or couldn't handle it. So, just like you can think things that you don't have to say, you can sometimes, if it helps you, write things you don't have to deliver. So, first figure out, you have to say it. If you do, if it's a ta'olas, you're This is. If there's no reason to say it, even though you can't figure out if there's any yisr, there's no reason to say something that might not be usher anyway. It can lead to things. And certainly, if there's a chashash of isser in it, and one of the avodas in life, one of the difficult ones, is make yourself like an elam. Uh, when in doubt, leave it out, as all good authors say. And the Chavaz Chaim says, when in doubt, leave it out. Not because the Chavaz Chaim didn't have what to say. He actually was very talkative. But uh, he knew the halach as well. If you don't or you're not sure, then leave it out. For Amru, Priya Mihiris Harata Omasun. The fruit of haste is a lot of regret. Mosun Arba Meazuze Shavia, famous Gemara Brochas, Lat Lat Shava Arba Meazuza. By the way, the context here, remember that story, was a big tzaddik who was doing the right thing. He just uh, realized next time I should check out whether she's Jewish or not. He was making a public machan, somebody wasn't dressed to Sneezbik. And then he had to pay a fine because he sort of like uh, ripped the clothing and found out she wasn't Jewish, which wasn't great either, but she wasn't mechuyiv in that particular mitzvah of sneers. So he said, you know, next time I'm going to wait a few minutes and just investigate. And he was doing the right thing, just the uh, wrong person. 
Siv Chua Barav Yayetz. Chua Barav Yayetz. Great name for a safer if you want to name a safer Pelayetz. Chua Barav Yayetz is if you ask more people and you get advice, you'll be able to incorporate it into what you're going to do or not do. And of course, a central part of this is not just to ask people for advice, it's to Davin Baruch Hu to have Siat Shemaya do the right thing. And the problem is, once you go into high gear, once you're already fast into it, and the proper achanas weren't made, then the Yetzirah doesn't have anything to say, because the Yetzirah wants you to be for tumult, wants to be going at top speed, because then you're not going to have time to think, and the Yetzirah has full reign, the Yetzirah won't get in, and the Yetzirah has a head start in this. So, Zrizas doesn't mean going fast when you haven't made a firm decision with the proper Makaris. It means when you know what you're doing, then execute it quickly. They're two different things. Mitzvah we will continue on Shabbos. Thank you.